Welcome to Bariatric Care, the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Connie Stapleton. This is episode 18. Don't be a yeah butter. Many times, when people working to maintain their weight loss hear exactly what's required to do so, you know, eat breakfast, get enough sleep, exercise, those sorts of things. They start in with the yeah buts. Yeah, but I've never been a breakfast eater. Yeah, but I like to stay up really late at night and I still have to get up early for work. Yeah, but I really, really hate to exercise. Are you a yeah butter? Yeah butters are really just making a lot of excuses for not wanting to do what it takes to get what they say they want. To live at a healthy weight for their body and to live a fuller life after weight loss surgery. Yeah, but all you want. But do realize that the more excuses you make for not doing what needs to be done in order to maintain the weight you lose after bariatric surgery, the more likely you are to regain that weight. Hey, it's your health. It's your responsibility. This day and every day. All right, let's get on with today's episode. Hi, and welcome back to Barry Aftercare, the podcast, or maybe you're listening to this as part of your Barry Aftercare live program. Either way, I am glad to be back. I was gone last week on spring break, so it feels good to be back. Today, I have a question for you. The question is, are you a yeah butter? And what might you ask is a yeah butter? A yeah butter is a person who responds very often with the two words, yeah, but, well, have you tried this? Yeah, but, well, did you know this or that worked for somebody? Well, yeah, but. So I want you to ask yourself if you're a yeah butter, because a yeah butter is somebody that makes it really difficult to work with because they always have a yeah, but translated to there's always an excuse why whatever's working for a lot of other people somehow doesn't work for them because yeah, but so today I'm going to provide you with some really great information that I found on a website. And I want to share these things that are researched, well-documented, plentiful research on the internet. If you want to look it up, If not, just listen to me because I'm not making this stuff up. But find out if in the back of your mind, you're saying, yeah, but to a lot of this information, all right? Because if you are, if you are a yeah, butter, then maybe you're making excuses for yourself. And maybe you're making this more difficult than it has to be. Making what more difficult than it has to be? The business of keeping your weight off. Again, most people who are listening to this podcast or watching Barry Aftercare have opted to have weight loss surgery. Some of you may not have had the surgery yet, but as you will hear in what I'm about to present is that beginning these behaviors prior to having surgery can really help to keep the weight off after the surgery. Because as so many people know, Keeping weight off is a lot more difficult sometimes than getting weight off. Now, there are some medical issues like PCOS or hypothyroidism, lots of different medications, different illnesses that definitely make getting weight loss, getting weight off a very difficult prospect. But for a lot of people, even those who have had weight loss surgery, you know, in the attempts before surgery to lose weight, there's been a lot of weight regain. And many of us, Dare I say most of us know people who have regained a lot, some, all of their weight, even after weight loss surgery. So we've talked about the gotta do's, we've talked about the importance of self, we've talked about self-care, all of those good things. Today I want to talk to you about one of the medical reasons that it's so very difficult 
to avoid regain. And also, not just one, but a few of the physiological things that can make it difficult to keep weight off after you've lost weight. And then I want to present to you some information from a very, very well-researched organization about what the people who do keep weight off do. And that's one of the sources that I used when I came up with the list of the gotta doems. But it's really interesting. So I want to share this information with you today and listen for your internal yeah butter. And if you find yourself being a yeah butter, tell yourself to hush up and listen and then make your decision if there's a truly genuinely valid reason this might not work for you, but I guarantee you some of these things will work for you. Now I found this information on an article called the best way to keep weight off. And it's, it's on a website called LiveScience.com, And I'm happy to provide the link in the, in the podcast notes. And they will also be, I'll post them on the Barry Aftercare pages on Facebook or your programs, bariatricare pages. But it's really good in helping people to understand and have some compassion for some of the reasons it's very difficult physiologically to keep weight off. That doesn't mean you don't have to put the effort into keeping the weight off. And it doesn't mean that these are excuses, but there are realities. It means really that you have to fight harder sometimes. Is that fair? No, but we know by now that obesity, the disease of obesity is not a fair disease, right? It's not fair that some people have a physiology that makes it easier to put weight on, more difficult to lose weight and easier to regain weight once it's come off. But if that's your lot in life, that is your lot in life. So that's where the four aces, awareness, acceptance, your attitude, being accountable come into play. But let's talk about this business that if you want to keep weight off, kind of physiologically speaking anyway, and I would go so far as to say societally, the cards are pretty much stacked against you. And that comes straight out of this article. Because the body and the brain are in some ways hardwired to regain your weight back. So again, as you listen to this, know that I am using a lot of the information straight out of this article called The Best Ways to Keep Weight Off, that this is not me making this up. Now, I've read enough in a lot of different sources to know that this is not just one article saying this. You can find this information from a lot of resources. But it's true that your brain and your body are hardwired in some ways to regain lost weight. Now, that can be a discouraging thing to hear, but it doesn't have to be, okay? Because you can overcome that. But you need to know what you're working with and you need to somewhat understand the reasons why your body is hardwired to regain Wait once you've lost it. Now I'm not a phys, uh, you know, a um, a medical doctor, and, and so I can't. And I'm not a surgeon, so I can't tell you a lot of the physiological issues myself. But I can read them, and so sometimes it's just good to have somebody report these things to you. And again, I will say that I've read this in many, many places from many credible sources. So. The physiological way that the cards are stacked against you is because your body and your brain are hardwired. The sociological ways that the cards are stacked against you when it comes to regaining weight is because look at our society. It's fast food everywhere. It's fried food so many places. It's processed food so many places. The restaurant business, you know, people eat out so often compared to 50 years ago or 40 years ago. So there's a lot more eating out. And studies have clearly shown that when people eat in restaurants, they eat more calories and usually not the healthier calories than when they prepare food for themselves at home. So one of the physiological reasons that it's difficult to keep weight off or easier to regain weight is that after you've lost weight, your body metabolism slows down. So you're actually burning fewer calories 
than what you would expect, even when you're at rest. So the author, one of the contributors to this article, whose name is J. Graham Thomas, which whatever that means to you, but what he does is he's a professor of psychiatry and human behavior at the Weight Control and Diabetes Research Center. So the guy's got some good credentials, right? And he says, what he says, it's like your body goes from being like a truck where it burns a lot of fuel to being more like a Prius burning less gas to go the same distance. So when you lose weight, you're burning less gas. So your body has to work harder to burn the same number of calories, which can translate to you either need to eat fewer calories after you've lost weight, more, this is great grammar here, more fewer calories, even fewer calories than somebody who hasn't lost weight, right? So if if somebody, well, let me explain it the way they explain it, all right? So if you lose weight, If you lose 20% of your weight, then you actually need to eat 20% fewer calories once you reach your new weight compared with other people with the same weight. So let's say that somebody weighs 200 pounds. They lose 20 pounds. Now they're at 180 pounds, right? They would require, now you've lost weight. The person who loses weight requires three to 400 fewer calories per day than a person whose natural body weight is 180 pounds. Again, not fair. The cards are stacked against you. And if you're not aware that after you've lost weight, you have to eat less calories than a counterpart person who may be the same weight, but is that way by nature then you think, well, I can eat like they can now. Not true. So you have to work harder in that regard. And or you may need to exercise more than a person whose body weight is naturally 180 pounds if you've lost down to 180 pounds. So people who lose weight have to eat less or and or burn more calories than someone whose natural weight may be the same. So you've got a metabolic slowdown, right? There's also multiple systems in your body that change that affect your desire to eat. So sometimes after people lose weight, the appetite increases actually. And so maybe now, this isn't necessarily true with with bariatric surgery. And this These studies were not bariatric surgical patients, but you've probably experienced this in the past when you've lost weight. Maybe you feel hungrier, right? And so you felt like you had to eat more to feel satisfied. And not only that, it may be that your preference for higher calorie foods has increased. And this comes from a study that was in 2015 from a government-backed panel of weight loss experts. So areas of the brain that are involved in the ability to resist eating become less active. So, So again, the cards are stacked against you. You are hungrier. You may eat more calorie dense foods to feel satisfied and your brain loses some of its resistance to eating those more palatable foods. So, you know, it's really tough. You've got, you've created after weight loss, the best possible scenario to regain the weight you've lost because of all of these differences in your body and your brain. And that comes from a Dr. Michael Rosenbaum, who you may have heard of. He's a professor at Columbia University Medical Center, and he has studied weight loss maintenance for a very long time. And on top of that, and you've heard this before, and you've heard the importance of getting enough sleep, people who sleep fewer than five hours a a night are inclined to eat a greater percentage of calories and higher 
higher density calorie foods, maybe more processed foods, maybe higher fat foods, because they're up more hours. And so it's important to continue to get more than five hours of sleep. And that's one of the got to do them clearly. So it's easy to see why your body easily regains weight. There's another entire theory called set point theory. And I don't know, and I'm not even going to try to explain to you set point theory, but basically it's your body is at this weight. And when you lose weight, your body's going to try to regain to get closer to that set point. Now, whether that set point is biologically predetermined or whether it's because you've been at a certain weight for a long time, I'm not sure. If you're interested in reading about set point theory, please absolutely do. And I know that in the podcast, Weight Loss Surgery Podcast, that was done by Rieger Cortell. She has done several talks about set point theory uh, with some of the very well-renowned people, physicians in the bariatric community. So you can learn more about that from Rieger's podcast. Now, she no longer does the podcast, but I would encourage you to listen to her podcast also. It's called the Weight Loss Surgery Podcast. She has many, many episodes and she did that for, for very many years, but it's really, really good. Now, Even though that can be a very frustrating and sort of discouraging lesson, you have to understand that it's not impossible and it's absolutely, totally 100% possible for you to maintain weight loss once you've lost weight. And that is evidenced by the many, 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 many people that you know who have had weight loss surgery who do maintain their weight for years and years and years, decades and decades. So it's possible. And you don't have to question that because there are many people who have gone down the road before you. And they are the people that you want to get some good information from. Not only the professionals, not only the physicians and the surgeons and the psychologists and the psychiatrists and the dietitians and the exercise people, but find people in your community, the bariatric weight loss community, who have maintained weight loss for 10, 15, 20 years, they're the people who will say it's true. These are the things you got to do. But let's talk about the things that the people have in common. So there are a lot of different ways to lose weight. As you know, you've probably tried many, many, many of them, right? You've tried low fat, you've tried low carb, you've tried very low calorie diets, you've tried liquid diets, you've tried starvation, you've tried intermittent fasting, you've tried all the diets, right? So there are lots of ways to lose weight. What's more important is how to keep the weight off. And there are many, many consistencies in terms of what people do to keep weight off. So let's talk about a huge group of people huge group. And when I say huge group, I mean more than 10,000 people that, that have been doing research on over many, many years. And the people in these research groups have lost significant amounts of weight and they've kept the weight off for a long time. And the group is the National Weight Control Registry. And you can look them up and, um, This was launched in 1994. Researchers at Brown Medical School and the University of Colorado launched this National Weight Control Registry. And what they've done is they've tracked the habits of people with successful weight loss maintenance. And so many people, because I've done well over 6,000 pre-surgical evaluations, I know from you, hang on, I got to get a drink of water, excuse me. I know that many of you, most of you, in fact, have lost weight a number of times. The struggle is keeping the weight off. So I'm going to share with you what these people in this study of over 10,000 people over a period of many years since 1994 have reported on. And because this is such a large size of, of people in this population and long duration of this study, a lot of what the scientific community knows about successful 
weight maintenance comes from this study. So what I'm going to do is share with you a lot of the things that these people have responded to in terms of their weight, their diet, their physical activity, and the strategies that they've used over these years for maintaining weight. Let's start with that dreaded exercise. And this is tough for people to hear. And I'm telling you this because we want to minimize the reality of this. We want to minimize how much exercise really needs to be done. And a lot of people just simply don't want to exercise. We've talked on this podcast before about the I don't want to. I don't want to exercise. Here's where a lot of yeah, button happens. Yeah, but I just don't have time to exercise, you know? Yeah, but some people are just really good at it. And yeah, but some people really like it. And yeah, but I just really hate it. I get that. I sympathize with you. I do exercise on a regular basis, but I guarantee you, I am not an athletic person by nature. I am as uncoordinated and unathletic. Is that even a word? I am not muscularly built. I am not athletically inclined. So I'm not going to do the hardcore exercise that a lot of other people are going to do. I'm not going to run. I don't like to run. I'm not going to do it. I do know that in order to maintain a healthy weight for my body, I have to maintain a healthy exercise regimen. Now, let me tell you the reality of what it takes for these people in this group of 10,000 people who do maintain weight loss, what it takes in terms of time to exercise. And I know you may not like this, but them's the facts. So I'm going to give it to you straight and I'm going to give it to you fair. All right. Now we know science knows you know, you have heard that when you're trying to lose weight, your diet is the most important factor. Most weight loss is a result of fewer calories consumed. So we know that. But when it comes to maintaining exercise, Dr. Nicholas, Jacinda Nicholas, who's a physician and weight loss researcher at the University of Colorado's Denver School of Medicine, says exercise often becomes the most important factor. So in order to keep weight off, sure, there are many people you know who don't exercise and maintain their weight loss. And that's great. But if you can't maintain your weight loss without exercise, pay attention. All right, pay attention. So studies from this, from the data through the National Weight Control Registry have shown that people, get ready for it, who successfully keep weight off, exercise more than the average person, all right? So maybe whatever an average person is or however much exercise they do, for most people who lose weight, you've got to exercise more than that, all right? For example, people who keep their weight off walk for 60 to 75 minutes per Day. Gulp. Truth. This is what people who maintain their weight do walk 60 to 75 minutes per day. So, what's recommended is 60 to 70 minutes of moderate intensity aerobic exercise. Oh, that sounds daunting, right? Walking is a moderate aerobic exercise exercise. All right. You don't have to get into kickboxing or swimming or, and please excuse, I've got a little bit of a cold. Please excuse. I know that's got to be absolutely disgusting to listen to. Sorry about that. Okay. So moderate intensity aerobic exercise, like walking at a fairly decent pace, right? Six days a week for 60 to 70 minutes. I hate to report that to you. And I'm not telling you have to anything. I'm just telling you what it takes according to the data from this National Weight Control Registry. All right. 
If you do more vigorous activity, like running, if you'd like to run, then your exercise routine doesn't need to be quite as long, but 35 to 45 minutes a day would then be required. So if you're going to do something more vigorous than walking at a moderate level of intensity, then you don't have to do as much as 60 to 70 minutes. But they're saying per day. So one reason that exercise is so important for keeping weight off, according to a lot of scientific studies, is because, remember we talked about how your body metabolism slows down, you're not burning as much. So because you're not burning as much energy after weight loss, then you have to rev it up. Your body has to burn more calories in your resting state and exercise on a regular basis helps increase your resting metabolic rate. So higher amounts of physical activity also means you don't have to be as strict with your diet. Meaning if you want to consume some of the foods that you absolutely love and provide you with a level of satisfaction that a lot of the healthier foods don't. And you know, as a bariatric patient who's had weight loss surgery, protein first, right? Followed by vegetables, some fruit. But then if you want to have some, you know, whatever you want to call them, less healthy foods that maybe give you a little bit more pleasure or, you know, you enjoy on an occasional basis, that's fine. But the more you exercise and the more vigorously exercise, the more allowance you have for some of those foods. Now, I always throw in the caveat here because if a person has a food addiction, like if you have an addiction to sugar and even a little bit triggers your brain to want more of it, then I would say I would encourage you to refrain from those sources of palatable foods or foods that you find satisfaction in and find find other kinds of foods that you enjoy to supplement your bariatric basic eating, right? Protein first. I know I just said this, but I'm saying it again because it's so important. Protein first, eating on a regular basis, you know, no drinking with your meals, consuming a lot of water, staying away from sugary drinks. You know the drill, all right? But if you're exercising more, you can have a few more of those those treats, right? And again, this National Weight Control Registry says what you know and what you've heard from everybody inside and outside the medical community. There's no magic. There's no magic for weight loss or maintaining weight loss. But there are consistent eating habits that have been shown through this large, large group in this National Weight Control Registry. So here are some of their findings. All right. Now, again, these are not people who have had weight loss surgery, so it may vary. But on average, the people in this registry consume lower calories, low fat foods. That's not a surprise, even for a bariatric patient, right? Now, I know that there are some diet Petition, um, you know, there's there's a swing toward fat doesn't matter. You can eat more fat. All I know is that the people from this registry eat lower fat diets. And again, this can vary from person to person. A lot of the, the surgeons, the bariatric surgeons I know, say you don't have to, you know, go low carb or specifically low fat, but maybe that does work better for your body. But what I'm reporting to you now is that the people in this registry who have maintained weight loss do eat a lower lower fat diet. So they tend to eat about 1,300 calories, 29% of their calories coming from fat. Women, um, that's for women, uh, men can eat about 400 more calories on average. But again, this is going to be person specific. Your job is to figure out what works for you in terms of the calories you need to maintain your weight, the percentage of calories from which micronutrients, and you can figure that out. You might need the help of a a dietitian to do that, but you can figure out what works 
for you and for your body. My daughter is involved in a, it's called Burn Boot Camp. And boy, they have really honed in on her percentage of micronutrients. And it's made a huge difference in her, her body um, composition. Pretty amazing. So find somebody to work with who can help you figure out what works for your body. But these registry participants are more likely to say that they eat modified foods that contain less fat and sugar. Now, you know, anybody who wants to maintain a healthy weight, whether you've had weight loss surgery or not, we know that you want to eat lower caloric foods that are better for you. I mean, that is not rocket science, but here's some examples from this registry. About 60% of the people in this registry who maintain their weight loss eat low fat dairy compared with 50% of the people who have always been a normal weight. So um, more people in this registry who keep their weight off eat low fat dairy products. You may not eat dairy products at all. And that's okay if that works for you. I know for myself, who, and I have worked in bariatrics for over 16 years, I tend to eat very much like I have had weight loss surgery, even though I haven't, because I find it a very, very healthy way to live. However, I do have to eat a low fat diet because when I, when I did higher fat things like, you know, whipped cream or sour cream or cream cheese or whatever it is, my cholesterol goes up. That doesn't work for me. So I do eat a lot of dairy. I eat a lot of Greek yogurt, 0% fat. I drink a lot of milk, zero skim milk. So any dairy that I eat is very, very low fat, which is consistent which, with what they found in this registry. So if you eat dairy, if you eat fat, foods that are fatty, eat lower fat foods. Registry participants consume three times more servings of artificially sweetened soft drinks like diet soda compared with people who've always been a normal weight. So they're more likely to drink if they want a sweet drink, you're not, you know, bariatric patients are not encouraged to have any soda because of the, um, the bubbles, right? The carbonation. So if you want to sweeten your drinks, you know, you have to have artificially sweetened drinks. <clears throat> okay. Excuse me for that. All right. Low calorie dressings and sauces. And we know that condiments can be very high in fat, very high in sugar, very high in calories. So, as a bariatric patient, it makes sense to do the lower sugar, lower fat, lower calories, right? So, these are what they're referring to as modified foods being the reduced sugar, the reduced fat, the reduced calorie. So eating these may help you consume a more satisfying volume of food, right? Or a more palatable in terms of taste because you can eat some of these foods and yet lower the caloric value of these foods by modifying them. Here's an interesting thing, and this doesn't sit well with a lot of bariatric patients, but I find this to be very true for myself personally, and I find this to be very successful for a lot of the bariatric patients with whom I work. Now, you might not like this, but if you're a yeah, butter, (laughs) yeah, but that's boring. Yeah, but, you know, I get bored. Yeah, but I like a lot of different foods and that's okay. Do you do what works for you? But I will tell you, that what does work and is very consistently helpful in terms of weight loss maintenance is eating a diet that contains less variety. So in other words, if you saw what I eat on a daily basis, there's very little variety during the week. 
right? I, I, I eat a lot of chicken. I eat a lot of Greek yogurt. I eat eggs. I, I drink a protein drink every day. I eat a protein bar every day. My diet during the day is very, very consistent. Now I might change a flavor, but, or I may add blueberries to my Greek yogurt, zero fat, (coughs) or I may add raspberries or I may add strawberries, which gives it some variety. Or there's this little cereal that I add. It's called, I can't remember what it's called, breakfast school or something like that. It's a hundred calories and a whole bunch of protein. So I might add that to my, my Greek yogurt for some crunch, but I'm eating a lot of Greek yogurt. I also eat a lot of, um, uh, a protein drink or a protein bar and I will mix up the variety. Now for dinners, I will have a little more variety, but it's almost always chicken on spinach or chicken with vegetables or, and that's what I do during the week. Now that may be super boring for you, but what they've shown is the people who select a, a more limited diet of safe foods that they eat over and over and over again, Don't get caught up in the head game that some people struggle with. And for me, that's part of the reason I do this. I recently, well, I I regularly work with a guy who, who has lost like over 300 pounds, like 350 pounds after weight loss surgery. And he literally eats salmon five times a day. Now he'll, he'll put variety with his vegetables and with his berries. And, but he said, it doesn't matter if people go out to eat to meet with me, they know we're going to go somewhere where we have salmon. He said, it takes the guessing game out of it for me. Now you don't have to be that rigid, you know, or you can find all kinds of ways to cook chicken, or you can find all ways to use tuna or all kinds of ways to, you know, use tofu, but that may be your main kind of protein. So do what works for you. But if you want a way that works for a very, very many people, limit the variety of foods that you eat. It just works for a lot of people. All right. It may seem boring, but it absolutely works to help sustain weight loss because it creates an environment that's essentially the opposite of one. And this is from this article that promotes weight gain, right? So we tend to gain weight when there's a lot of variety, a lot of higher fat, a lot of processed foods, right? Those things promote weight gain because they're high calorie. They're very tasty, but a lot of them are very processed. But when we limit the variety of foods that we allow ourselves to consume, we reduce the likelihood of overeating things, especially when we eat out that we don't know maybe how they prepare the foods. They may add a lot of fat. They may add a lot of um, calories that we're unaware of based on how they prepare the food. And if we're preparing it ourselves, we know, right? All right. Here's another one that again, you've heard this a thousand times, but the people in this registry who have maintained their weight, they eat breakfast. They eat, yeah, but I, I'm, I, yeah, but I, I'm just not a breakfast eater. No, yeah, budding. Stop, yeah, budding. Do you want to be successful? You know, one of the phrases I love, and I don't know where it came from, but it's like if you want to be wealthy, do what wealthy people do. If you want to be really spiritual, do what spiritual people do. If you want to be a healthy weight, do what healthy weight people do. They eat breakfast. Yeah, but zip the yeah button, right? Eh, nix it. All right. So most of these people eat breakfast. And that fits with so many other studies that show that people who skip breakfast tend to weigh more than people who do eat a morning meal. And we've talked about many, many ideas for eating protein within the first couple of hours of getting up. Even if you don't like to eat breakfast, it doesn't have to be bacon and eggs. It can be a protein drink. It can be a protein bar. Yes. Getting protein from real food is preferable to getting it from a protein drink or a protein bar. But if that's the only way you're going to do it, that's better than not getting those into your body. You can eat, who says, I mean, 
My friend, he eats salmon for breakfast, right? You can eat ham for breakfast. You can eat tofu for breakfast. Whatever source of protein works for you. But that's a reality, right? Another thing that these people in the weight loss registry do is they don't go out to eat as often as the typical American, right? They eat less than one fast food meal per week compared with two to three fast food meals per week for typical Americans, which is what the studies have found. So, and again, if you want to eat at fast food places now and then, and you've had weight loss surgery, if you want to eat at a restaurant, that's okay. But do the things that people who keep their weight off do. And if you've spoken to weight loss surgery patients who kept their weight off, in addition to like the people in this registry, if you go to a restaurant, find out where there's a restaurant that serves the food you like. If it's salmon, it's salmon. If it's, you know, grilled chicken, it's grilled chicken. Even if you go to a fast food place, get grilled chicken, take the bun off or at least half of the bun. Do the wise things, right? Don't get the fries. If you want to have three or four fries, take them from your kid's Happy Meal or whatever, right? And we don't want to teach our kids to eat a bunch of junk food either. So we can set an example from them. All right. So another thing is a lot of experts say don't deprive yourself of your favorite foods, but they don't say eat your favorite foods every day. They're not saying have ice cream every day, have pizza every day, have, you know, snack cakes every day. They're saying if you can eat foods you like once in a while in moderation, as long as you're following the bariatric basics, eating your protein first, eating every three to four hours, eating a lot of vegetables, eating a lot of fruits. If you want to have those foods that you really enjoy in moderation, you should be able to do that if it's on occasion, if it's not the majority of what you eat, right? Now, here's where I'm going to come in and say again, same thing I said a few minutes ago. If you have a food addiction, maybe it's just an addiction to one particular food. I wouldn't go with that food. I would find some other food you really enjoy as a treat now and then right? But you've got to balance this with your protein first, your vegetables, the healthier grains, the low fat products that you eat most consistently, right? But if you allow yourself to have one of those things you really like, if you're not addicted to it, then do so because it can reduce cravings. It can make you feel like you don't have to, you know, live on this awful diet because this is not a diet at all. This is a way of life. This is your healthy lifestyle. Another thing is when you eat any food, eat it mindfully, but especially if you're going to let yourself indulge in something that you really enjoy and you just want to have it, a cookie or whatever, eat it really mindfully. My brother-in-law was here a, a week or so ago and I swear to God my husband and I eat really quite healthy on a, on a consistent basis. We eat junk. Sure we do now and then, um, sometimes more than others. But when we eat something like, for example, pizza, I will have a piece of pizza. You know, if we get it from one of the pizza places, I'll have a piece of pizza. That's it. And it takes me a good while to eat my piece of pizza. My husband will probably have two. My brother-in-law, I kid you not, I watched him eat an entire large pizza by himself, and I think he had three bites of pizza per piece. That is not a healthy way to consume a food that, I mean, you can't even hardly taste it. I was just shocked. I'm like, wow. So if you're going to eat a piece of pizza, It comes, you know, that's not one of those nice, healthy cauliflower crust pizzas with a lot of protein on it, which I say is an awesome way to eat pizza. Then eat a piece of pizza very slowly, very mindfully. And you'll be satisfied and not want to have the whole pizza or even two or three pizzas or pieces. So another thing I do on a very regular basis is I'll have one Ghirardelli square 
chocolate, right? At the end of the night, because I really like it, but I'll have one. And I swear to you, it will take me five to 10 minutes to eat it because I'm going to savor that thing. I'm not going to pop the whole thing in my mouth and swallow it without even tasting it. I will literally let that sucker melt in my mouth. So it will take me five minutes. You can learn to do that. And then you will feel like you've really enjoyed that one, one piece of candy. You've really got to learn to eat mindfully because it really reduces the amount of calories you take in. All right. Um, One more thing. Well, I'll give you two more things from this weight loss registry. Don't be yeah, button me. (laughs) Yeah, but Connie, you, whatever. No, you can do these things if you want to. Anytime you find yourself yeah, button, you're really just making an excuse for yourself. Maybe not every time, but pretty much every time. Don't be a yeah, butter. It's really hard for me to work with yeah, butters. All right. Um, One more thing that I want to talk about is support. All right. There are different kinds of support. Oh, no, there are more things I want to talk about. One is reduced screen time. This is either television or your phone or your computer or your tablet. Because people in this study spent 62% or 62% of these people said 10 or fewer hours per week. 10 or few hours per week, that's not much screen time. Because you know what happens when you're on screen time? Mindless eating. Don't pay attention to serving sizes. You get that, whatever that unhealthy thing you enjoy while you watch TV mindlessly, and you eat too much of it. So reduce your screen time. And if you don't want to reduce your screen time, don't allow yourself to eat during your screen time. You know, there are many roads to Rome, but that's one of the things. And another thing is support. And they talk about the different kinds of support. And I've talked about that a lot of different kinds of time times. But the friends and family who participate with you, in other words, maybe they come to your pre-surgical meetings with you. They come to your monthly support group meetings with you, or they tend to eat the way you do. You know, that is an even better form of support or they go with you and they order healthy food with you at the restaurant. Now you can't force people to do that, but it is one of the ways that you will see that people are better able to keep their weight off. So you can ask for what you want. You can't demand that people in your life do that, but I'm going to summarize just with four basic things here about how to maintain your weight loss from this national registry. So 78% of these people overall in their studies eat breakfast every day. 75% of the people in this registry weigh themselves at least once a week. Again, that's a controversial topic. And regardless of what these say, I'm going to say what works for you, okay? If weighing yourself every day keeps you on track and doesn't mess with your head, do it. If weighing yourself once a month works, do it. I'm just telling you what these studies show. 62% of the people in this 10,000 group of people watch less than 10 hours of television per week and have reduced amount of screen time. 90% exercise on average about an hour a day. Now, I will tell you, I exercise at least an hour a day, a good four or five days a week, you know, and I have to, to maintain my weight. I'm not one of those people who just has a natural high metabolism. I have to work at maintaining a healthy weight. And most of you do too, right? So yeah, but all you want, yeah, but all you want. In the end, it comes down to those four aces. You're aware, you're more aware today than you might've been yesterday. You're accountable, do it or don't. Oh yeah, that's another thing. People tend to keep track of what they eat. They log it somehow. 
Um, you're accountable. What's your attitude about it going to be? Is it going to be grumpy? Are you going to be yeah, butter? Are you going to say, well, I don't like it, but I'm going to do it. And are you going to accept that this is your lot in life? And it's a better lot than a lot of things could be, right? It could be worse for sure. It could be worse. Are you going to make a commitment and are you going to put forth the effort and is yourself worth it to you? So if you're part of the Berry Aftercare program, which I hope you are on Thursday, I'm going to give you nothing but tips and tools for helping to maintain your weight, your weight loss to maintain a healthy weight for your body. It's going to be all tips and tools. You're not going to want to miss it. Because the more tips and tools you have to choose from, the better you are, the more likely you are to find the ones that are going to work for you. And don't yeah, but me. All right. There's no yeah, but in your way around the reality that this takes work and you're going to have to do it if you want a healthier life and if you want a better quality of life. So, and that's what I hear people want. So it's up to you. And as I say, as I close all the time, it's your health, it's your life, this day, every day, your health, your responsibility, do what you're going to do with it. And I thank you for joining me today. Please share the podcast with anybody you think might benefit from this. You don't have to have weight loss surgery to benefit from a lot of the ideas that I'm sharing here. So enjoy, make it a good one. And I'll be back on Thursday on Barry Aftercare. Check it out, www.barryaftercare.com. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Barry Aftercare, the podcast. The information shared on this podcast is considered psychoeducation and does not constitute therapy or a therapeutic relationship. Be sure to check out all the great information I provide, much of it free, by visiting my website, at www.conniestapletonphd.com. Be sure to leave your positive comments for this podcast and listen in next week to learn more ways to live your best post-op life.